Thank you, thank you, thank you, church. Hallelujah. How's everybody doing? Wonderful. Oh, wonderful. You see, um, I am here today with uh, my son, Lamb. Lamb, can you, can you uh, stand up so the church can see you? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, when we came in the other day and we were just about to touch down, and then Lamb turned to me and said, Dad, you know, I see his face light up and he's just so excited that we can be back here. And that's the same kind of feeling of some nostalgic feelings that I got to feel because I have here in this city, in this area, in this region, people that I have done life with, you know, brothers and sisters, friends that I love so dearly that are here in this house. And I want to thank each and every one of you who calls Silver Creek Church your home. And uh, thank you for being just this church that I still love so dearly. How I wish my, my wife and our two other kids, they are, they are so jealous of us. And I'm just praying that God will save them you know, out of the spirit of jealousy. Uh, but they really would have loved to be here. You know, it just was not possible for the entire family to be here. But we are truly uh, glad you know, to be here. Now, um, one of the reasons why I love uh, you know, Silver Creek Church is, is, is this. Now, look, look at my son just... Uh, you know, some years back. Look at how he is. Now he's taller than me. Now look at this is Father's Day here and he was praying for me on Father's Day. Now today he is a preacher in his own right. He just preached his first sermon to about 300 young people in Port St. Lucie, Florida the other day. I am so proud of him. I, I, I thank God for him. But we made memories in this church. Now look at our children got baptized in this church. Look at that. You know, these are the two of them I know at Presque Isle baptism in 2016. And then this is my daughter again with the certificate of baptism. We have made memories in this place and we just love Silver Creek Church. And it's, 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 it's never going to leave our hearts, honestly. Like it's just going to be able to be there. How could we not love it? And, but one of the things that I really I want to uh, say before I go into my message of today is to say thank you for supporting Kingdom Builders. Because through your support for Kingdom Builders, guess what we're doing? Kingdom Builders is also supporting Lead Missions International, which is the organization that uh, I run. Do you know in 2020, in the heart of the pandemic, we reached out to leaders and trade leaders, over a thousand leaders from 55 countries of the world, you know. But because of your giving, because of your faithfulness, and in, in just, uh, just next month, this is the lineup for, we are holding about 10 events in the country of Cameroon in Africa. And these are some of the speakers. In fact, these are not even all of them. I'm taking nine uh, speakers from the United States, one from Europe, and we are descending on the continent of Africa, you know, to be able to speak. And we'll be at, we'll be holding, um, take the lead conferences in churches. We'll be holding a church leaders conference. We'll be holding a leadership summit for people from all walks of life. We'll be holding a VIP banquet for top government, uh, public and private sector leaders. So throughout the nation, we will be uh, uh, holding a host of conferences. All of that possible through your general support. So kind of permit me to say thank you, Silver Creek Church, for being so so with us and standing with us to make sure that 
we can reach the world. So thank you very much. So, um, you know, I was thinking and uh, thinking about this, and I, I thought, Pastor, you know what? I, I've been missing for one year, so if I'm coming back, I should preach like for five hours. And then he said, no, Madison, that's not how we do it, actually. And so what I decided to do is to uh, write my message in a book. And you will find the book out there when you get out. And I pray that you can take that book. It will help you. It, has, it, it represents one of the core messages of my life, which is that today is the day to take action. You know, I'm talking this morning about the power of today or the power of the moment, if you will. You know, um, many times in our lives, we push for tomorrow what we should be doing today. So we tend to live in what I call someday are. Someday I'm going to be a good husband. Like someday I'm really going to be a wonderful wife. Like someday I'm going to grow up. You know, so every time you're always pushing it for someday. For someday. But when you really read the Bible, the Bible stresses a lot about the power of today. You know, the spirit of the Bible is like that. It is the attitude that says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1, it says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Hebrews 3 verse 15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. God is always about today. Why? Because tomorrow is not granted. None of us, I mean, by the way, if you discover this, let me know after church. Does any of us here have a contract with God as to when we go out of here? And a contract that was negotiated by you? And said, well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not going anywhere until the, you know, 2050. Anybody has that kind of contract? Well, if you are running that kind of a contract, please. Well, after church, let's talk. Let me see whether you can add me to it. Eh? <laughs> let's see if you can add me to it. But for the majority of us, maybe some of you, but majority of us, we don't have a say as to when we leave the earth. So we have to make, take advantage of every moment, every second, every day. In fact, I think our pastor had, you know, learned this lesson the hard way years, you know, a couple years ago. Do you remember that when he had this heart crisis? And we thought we were going to lose our pastor. In fact, I share this story in the book. So when you read the story, when you read the book, you get the story of our pastor. But I remember that when he was recovering from his surgery and all of that, and I was asking him, Pastor, how did you feel about that moment? And, you know, what was going through your mind? And, he said, well, you know, Madison, I thought about my wife, Veronica. I said, well, I think Veronica can survive. I thought about Ben. I said, well, you know, Ben is a man now. He's married and all that. He can make it. And then I thought about Becca. I said, well, you know, Becca is literally an, you know, an adult now. I said, but there was this, you know, Isaac, my son is still a teenager. And like, oh, my God, I just want to be there. Just I can... Hopefully I can speak into his life before he becomes an, you know, an, a, an adult and before he becomes, that maybe I could say something into his life that can help him build him up. And, and so, I, I, Lord God, preserve my life, if not for anything, for the sake of my youngest son. And so, in that moment, he realized that tomorrow is not granted. You know, many times we always say, I will do this tomorrow, I will do that. In fact, in the Bible, 
The Bible says, some of you say, today I will go to this town and do business, and then the next day I will turn over and go to Chicago and do the other thing, and then the other day I will go down to, he says, but you don't know that you don't own tomorrow. In fact, somebody said that in the Bible and said, I'm going to, I've, I've done so well for myself, I will destroy the barn and you know, put, heap up this stuff here and I will store the other one there. I will put the Corvettes this way and then the Bentleys the other way. And God said, you fool, today I'm going to take away your life from you and you'll see where you put all of those things. It's called, and that day he realized that life was really not in his control. But many times we plan many things for tomorrow and all of that, and we forget the most important day, which is today, which is the only day that we truly have been given. Today is the only day that you and me can use to transform our lives, to become all that God has called us to be. That's why the Bible says today, if you hear his word, don't harden your heart. Why? Because today is a day to take action. You know, don't postpone it for tomorrow. Don't, and I don't dwell in yesterday either because yesterday is gone. Somebody put it this way. He says, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. It's the present. It's the present. So every day when you get up, guess what? You just received another present. It's present with opportunities. Things that God wants you and me to do. God is always tugging on our hearts through the Holy Spirit, you know, having work for us to do daily. So when you get up every day, your prayer should be, Lord God, this is today. What would you have me do? Let me read something from uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 17, and I think it's very instructive to us. It says this, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So here the Bible is literally saying, let us not be stupid, foolish people. And I thank God that the Bible is the one saying this. So that you don't say, he came from Florida to come and insult us and he was just saying we were stupid people. And unwise people, so that you not say that. But the Bible says that when we seize the moment, when we know that today is a gift and we begin to welcome that gift and begin to do the things we need to do today, he says, we are wise people. But when we don't notice that today is a gift and begin to use it the way we should use it, it says we are foolish people. It says, therefore, do not be foolish. That's a command. But understand what the Lord's will is. In other words, when we understand what God's will is for our lives, for our families, for our community, for our church, then we live as wise people. Then every opportunity becomes an opportunity to serve God. Then when they say Feeding America is on Thursday, we say, oh my God, that's another opportunity. Then when they say, okay, there's going to be a city fest where we can openly profess our faith in the entire city, they say, oh my God, there comes another opportunity. And every day for you becomes an exciting day, not because it's exciting, but because it is the day that the Lord has made that we can do something about it. 
One of the things that I, I always pray for myself and I, and I pray for you too is that we will, we will not just be counting our days. Now, there are many of us here, we celebrate birthday parties. Every time you go to Applebee's, very soon you see a group of people clapping hands and then sing the birthday song and all that. My prayer is that we will not just be counting our days, but that we will begin a movement to make our days count. See, it's one thing to count the days. It's another thing for those days to count. What does making a day to count mean? It means that when we are no longer here, People will say, look at that woman. Look at how, how her impact in my life. Look at her impact in my children. Look at this man. Look at how his life really set such an example for me and the church and maybe people around to follow. Let us live our footprints on the sands of time. God intended that our lives will have impact. And when I say impact, I don't want you to think like, uh, you, know, you know, having a stage or having a pulpit like myself, um, but I'm talking about doing the things that show the love of Christ. I'm reminded of a woman in the New Testament. She was called Tabitha. In fact, when this woman died, they called Peter. Peter was the head of the apostles and the disciples. They called and said, you know, you need to come because this woman is so important. And when Peter came on that day, it, it, it was said that people removed their aprons and their clothes and said, look at what Tabitha did for us. Peter, can you imagine this? How can this woman die? Look at my... And, and Peter, something just stared up inside of Peter. You know what Peter did? Peter rose that woman back to life. It was as though she was too good to die. Her works literally brought her back to life and God gave her another lease on life and she lived for some time more before she passed away. But that's how powerful. So she was just ministering to the, her community. Her community loved her. Maybe your thing is not making aprons. Maybe your thing is not doing all of that. But we have to find what the Lord's will for us is and we need to do something about that. That's why the scripture says, let us now be careful how we live. God is concerned how you live. You know, he says, let us be wise rather than being unwise. He says, let us make the most of every opportunity. How different would your life be if you lived each day as though it were your last? Think about it. If this were your last day, Will you go home and look for the next person you need to be angry with? <laughs> if this was your last day, would you say, oh my God, where is this my sister? I've always had my peace of mind to, to tell her how, uh, you know, if this was your last day, I guarantee you that's not how you live. You'll be like, oh my God, let me make peace with everybody. I don't want to leave this exit, this place with any of those. If this was your last day, would you say, oh my God, where is my Corvette? <laughs> you know, I want to do, give it a good shine. I guarantee you that's not what you'll be thinking about. You know, when people are at the end of their lives, what they're looking for is not all of those toys. Nobody remembers them. The most important thing becomes the people that surround you, the people that care about you and the people that you cared about, you know? You know, nobody goes around, you know, embracing their, you know, I, you know, I, I live in Florida um, and, and, and where I work is just 10 minutes from one of the you know, richest zip codes in the United States. 
you know, uh, you know, in West Palm, it's, it's, it's just a little tiny island of about maybe 20 minutes drive if you, you know, to go through, but about 20 billionaires be. So if you are there and you have about 20 million, yeah, you, it might seem to them that you're on foot stamps. Uh, did you get what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and, I, and, I, and sometimes I just watch, you know, I, I, with fascination, you know, how it looks like. You know, how, what the people can be thinking about and this, as they're doing, and there's nothing wrong with being, you know, wealthy and all of that because, again, wealth comes from the Lord. Silver and gold are his. <laughs> the cattle on a thousand hills are his. So he's a wonderful God. He's a, you know, he created all of this. But none of us will carry any of those things out of here. You know, and even if you are buried with them in your grave, it, it doesn't go with you from there. You've got to think about how we live our lives today. So I'm going to give you five tips, I believe, that can help us live our lives more effectively. Five ways to unleash the power of today in our lives. Number one is something I learned from Sir Winston Churchill. Sir Winston Churchill was one of you know, uh, the, the premiers of, 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 of the empire of Britain, or in, back in the day, he uh, being a prime minister, he was, he was in Congress, he was the one who led in the war, in the, in the First World War, and, 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 and so that the Allied forces fought. But he said something. He said, there comes a time in everyone's life where he is literally tapped on the shoulder and given an opportunity to do what he is fitted for what his talents and his abilities are suited for. And he says, in that moment, what a tragedy it will be that that moment finds the person unprepared for what would have been his or her finest moment. Some, I notice that in life, God always gives us some fine moments. Moments that we can shine, moments that we can take advantage of. It's kind of like what Jesus experienced with the two thieves on the cross. You remember the story of Jesus crucified, you know, you know, between two thieves? Now, one of them said, if you are the son of God, he says, come down from the tree and also help us. You know, after coming down, maybe you can help us. And then but there was the other one who said, no, why do you speak like that to him? We are here because of what we did wrong, but this man has done nothing. And then here is what the robber said. He said to Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus turned to him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. I want you to think about that in a, for just a little second. I know the great fathers of faith like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus never said to any of them, today you will be with me in paradise. The only person who was promised paradise and on, on the same day was a robber. Wow. Now, but that speaks about the very nature of our God and the very graciousness of our God. When I read that scripture and I thought about it, I said, well, you know what? It takes just one moment to turn your life around. 
You don't need five days. You don't need 15 more years to turn around your life. Just one moment. When he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your paradise, God says, today, that's going to be the day. He seized the moment. That was his finest hour. Can you believe this? So imagine that, maybe I'm just, you know, sometimes when I read Bible stories, I just kind of like to reflect and think a little bit and imagine what is really going on. So imagine that these two, uh, you know, these guys broke into a, a home like two days ago. And when they broke into that home and they, maybe the owner came around and they ran and then one of their friends was shot and maybe he died there, you know, trying to rob and then they escaped. Can you imagine the other one escapes, goes to hell and while he's in hell, he sees the guy who, just, who Jesus just promised paradise and he's in heaven. And he'll be like, is that you? And then he, can you imagine how, how, I don't know, I don't know how he would think about God. Like, I, is that how unjust you are? I just broke a home with this guy yesterday. I went a little, one day or two before him. And then suddenly, this other guy, I mean, this guy makes it to heaven. What happened? Well, because that is how gracious God is. When any of us says, Lord, forgive me. When we say, Lord, pardon me. When we say, Lord, wash me. When we say, Lord, cleanse me. When we say, Lord, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Then suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye, everything changes. Somebody who was hard on his way to hell so fast becomes a candidate of heaven. That's the grace of our Lord. And sometimes we don't see it this powerful. You might be here today and you are just saying, Lord, I'm just tired of doing religion. I'm just tired of doing church every Sunday and maybe coming on Wednesdays when I get some time and I want to be serious with my relationship with you. I know that you died for my sins. I know that you care about me. I know that you care about my children. I say, Lord God, I want to get in business with you. Maybe I say, no, no, Lord, I, I am a believer already. I'm walking with you, but I want to see my children walking in the truth. I want to see my children be believers. I want to see my spouse. My, and, and say, Lord God, help me. I will stand in prayer until these come to Christ. You can decide and do that. And God will honor that. But each one of us has a fine moment in life that we can say, yes, Lord, do something in my life. Today might be your finest hour where you decide that, God, I, I just want to live for you. I want to live a life that has an impact. I don't just want to waste my life. God is willing to help us do that. Number two, uh, uh, how you can seize the moment is have faith in a righteous, in your righteous cause. Have faith in your righteous cause. I learned this lesson from Muhammad Gandhi. Uh, he was one of the freedom fighters for the nation of India when they were seeking independence from their colonial masters, uh, you know, the Great Britain. And, uh, and, and he rallied the people through a nonviolence so that they can free themselves. But here is something that he said that I thought was really intriguing in one of his speeches. He says, I believe there are many in India to complete the work begun by me. He says, I have faith in the righteousness of our cause and the purity of our weapons. And where the means are clean, 
there God is undoubtedly present with his blessings. He said, I have faith in the righteousness of our cause. He was fighting for the liberation of his people. But we have a more important cause than the physical liberation of a nation. We have been called to participate in the liberation of our families, our children, and all of our community. God has called us to be ambassadors in this community and to share the gospel in our community. I remember when uh, David uh, visited his brothers at war, you know, remember the fight between David and Goliath? You know that it was not really, David was not really a soldier as, as such. He came to give food, lunch, to his brothers who were fighting in the war. And when he came, he heard uh, this, you know, people talking about this Goliath. And, and when he came, he said, oh, what did you talk about? What did you say about Goliath again? That no one, is, no one can face him, that no one can bring him down? And then his brother said, you know, why are you asking those questions? You know, you always like, you always like to you know, push your, you know, you, know, you, you, know, you, you are a very pompous guy. You, you know, you don't, you don't like to stay where you belong. You, where you belong is bringing the lunch, not asking about what is going on here. You know what David said? David said, is there not a cause? When the people of God have been defied, 40 days, Goliath is hitting his chest. Nobody's willing to face Goliath. David says, I will go against Goliath. And you guess what the brothers were thinking? This one is going to die. He thinks we, no, I mean, we are men of war and, and we cannot fight Goliath and then look at this little shepherd boy. He thinks he is up to, he thinks he is something, right? And then, but David brings down Goliath. Why? Because he saw that there is a cause. Do you have a righteous cause in your life? Is there something that you care about? Something that you know that God wants you to do? And are you doing it in your life? That is one of the ways that we seize the moment. Number three, something I learned from you know, a, a Holocaust survivor. It says, beware of the perils of indifference. So Eliezer grew up in, you know, in, 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 back in those days when, uh, when they were killing the Jewish people and all of that. And he said that he observed three kinds of people in his time. You see, he observed the victims who, who were the Jews and the Jewish people and all of that. And then he observed their oppressors, the people who were trying to kill them. And then there was this third group of people who were indifferent. These people said, well, what these other guys are doing to these is not good. But they did nothing about it. He said, he said that those people were even more dangerous than the true oppressors because the oppressor, you knew that he was your enemy. When you see your enemy, you know for sure you need to run away, you need to do whatever you need to do. He said, but these other guys were indifferent. You could not know where they belong. So my question to you is, you know, in this business, in this, your relationship with Jesus Christ, are you indifferent about the things you and me are supposed to be about or are you taking sides? In the book of Revelations, the Lord says something uh, very interesting. It says, I wish you were either hot or cold. And he said, but because you are neither hot nor cold, you are rather lukewarm, he says, I was, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. So can you, can, you, can you think about that a little while? God is saying 
that, you know, you know, being hot for God, God wants us to be hot for him, right? He wants us to be on fire for him. But he says, if you're not on fire for me, it just has, it's, it's be even better for you to just be cold. At least I know I have work to do. <laughs> at least I know that Jesus' Jesus' blood should see me be at work. But sometimes some of us are not hot or cold. We are just lukewarm. And Jesus said, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. Why? Because he doesn't want us to be indifferent. Let us not be indifferent to the cause of Christ in our community. Let us not be indifferent to the things that God cares about in our community. Let us arise and let us be the people that God will use to change our community. Since I became a member of the uh, Silver Creek Church, one of the things that I love about this church is the heart for the community. We are the church that believes in going out of these four walls and representing Christ in our community. When I came here today, you know one of the things that joined me in the first service? I saw one of my students. Uh, she, was, she came to my class. It was in the last semester before I would actually leave NMU teaching there. And when the class was wrapping up, for some reason I just felt the nudging of the spirit to, to move towards her and say, how are you doing? And I'm so thankful that I did that because when I said, how are you doing? And for some reason, she did not do the, you know, you know the regular thing where you, you are not fine, but you just say, yeah, yeah, it's okay. For some reason, she felt compelled to hesitate to say I'm well. And because she did that, so I, I pressed on and said, but why? You know, what's going on and what's happening? And she said, I I'm here, this is my first semester. I, I am, I'm doing sports, I'm in the team. You say, I'm under pressures, you know, you know, and I'm saying, you know, no. Girls with girls and all of that, and it troubles me because I don't come from that place and I'm under pressure and there are these things I'm, I, and it's making me, I, I'm so just uncomfortable, I don't know what to believe, I don't know what not to believe. And I said, you know what? I don't, I, I, I can certainly feel, feel you, and, but if you don't mind, uh, for me, when I'm in that kind of a confusion and in that state, I kind of like to remove myself from that environment and be in the bar, in, a, in a place where people can, you know, I see, you know, I see another example, I see another picture of the society. And so I say, if, if you don't mind, can I invite you to my church? I'll come and pick you up. And I picked her up, I brought her here to service. And then I've left, I left, went to, down to Florida, came back, I saw her in church today. Not alone, but with a friend of hers. And she has been coming to church and pastor told me, we can change our community if we pay a listening ear to what is happening around and just help show people the way. And when I came, I asked, I called her the other day, I said, so how are you finding church? She said, I love our church. He says, they care about me. Can, it, I mean, there's, for me, there's nothing that is so powerful and so touching than to see, you know, someone who was under that kind of person, they care about me, and she's still coming to church. For me, that is something really, really, really powerful. So we have to learn 
to, not, to, 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 to decide that we will not be indifferent. Number four, I learned this lesson from Franklin Roosevelt who said, if there is anything we must fear, is fear itself. Anytime we want to become all that God wants us to be, guess what happens? We are fearful. What will he think? Oh, what will she think? Oh, they might think I am claiming to be a certain Jesus, you know. And so you shrink back into your corner and you hide yourself. But if there's anything we must fear, it's just fear itself. First Timothy chapter two, or First Timothy chapter one, verse seven says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So every time you are fearful, know that it is not the spirit of God. God's spirit is to make us bold, bold to act, to embrace our own faith, bold to help others that are struggling with their own faith, bold to tell people the truth in love. That is what God wants for us. So fear only fear itself. Live your life boldly. Do you notice that the, the guys who are living the wrong life are very bold? They are the ones on the streets. They are the ones on social media. They are the ones doing all of that. And you and me are cowering into a little corner. But this is the time to, to seize the opportunity. When you and me leave the earth, we will not have any more day to be on any social media. So this is your time. Seize that opportunity. When we leave the earth, we will not preach to anybody again. There's no preaching in heaven. So don't, 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 don't be saving your best message for heaven. There'll be no pulpit there for that. Right? We'll be worshiping him there forever and ever. That's all we will do there. So do something now, lest you do nothing. And lastly, the way you take hold of today is, and lay hold of today is, to hold on to an ideal that is worth dying for. Uh, I remember Nelson Mandela back in the day, he was the... Uh, uh, the man who literally led the movement to stop apartheid in South Africa when, when it was actually white domination on an entire nation. And when he was talking, when he was on the trial, he, met, he, he said these words. He says, during my lifetime, I have dedicated myself to the struggle of the African people. I have fought against white domination and I have fought against black domination. I have cherished the ideal of a democratic and free opportunities. He says, it is an ideal which I hope to live for and to achieve. But if need be, it is an ideal I, for which I am prepared to die. Now, he was talking about freeing his people. But you and me have a true cause, the cause of the gospel. And sometimes we, we are not, not even that we are we are prepared to that. We are not even prepared to just say something that somebody may criticize. We are honest. In the malls, we are afraid to say anything. You know? But this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us decide that we will arise and we will take and we will seize the moment and become all that God created us for. When the disciples were being persecuted in the book of Acts, you know one of the prayers they prayed? They said, Father, grant that your servants will speak boldly wherever they go and that signs and wonders will accompany 
the declaration of your word. Let us arise, Silver Creek, and let us be the people that God has called us to be. Let us seize the moment. Let us take today seriously in our lives and let us decide that we will be the people that God can trust to go into this community, to love this community, you know, to invite them to Jesus Christ. Let us be um, like the woman at the well who went and invited an entire city to Christ. If you don't know how to preach, you can invite a neighbor. If you don't know how to preach, you can do something and, and change lives. I want us to rise as we pray together. Can you just stand up to your feet as we pray together? And I will invite the pastor to come and, and help us here. But my prayer is that you and me will be instrumental in transforming and changing this community. Maybe today is that day that you take your relationship with God seriously. Maybe today is that day that you say, I'm going to become part of what God is using Silver Creek to do in this community and in the world. I just talked about Africa. Can you believe that through the work of, 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 of Silver Creek, we will be speaking to no less than 4,000 to 5,000 leaders, including you know, uh, cabinet ministers, including senators, including uh, uh, people that are in the top offices of the line. Maybe today is that day to say, Lord, enroll me into that end time army so that we can bring about change. Pastor, can you pray for us? Father, I, I pray today that before we leave this place, that every single person will have understood the value of today. That today is the day of salvation. Father, forgive us when we say, well, I can make that decision tomorrow, and yet we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Will we feel the same, the same leading of the Spirit, the same, the same unction, the same anointing that's drawing us to accept Jesus? Father, I'm so thankful that today that opportunity exists to simply say, God, I'm a sinner. And I need my sins to be forgiven. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive my sins. And that through his death, my name would be written in the Lamb's book of life that I would receive eternal life in heaven. Father, I pray if there's one here today that has never prayed that before, that they would simply make it their own prayer. As we close our service, if there's anyone that's here today, I'm just going to invite everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if there's someone here that you've never asked Jesus into your heart, into your life, and you'd like to do that today, would you just slip your hand up so that I can see it and be praying for you? We want to make sure that we keep you in prayer today. Father, I'm so thankful that Jesus is on the throne, that the gospel is still being declared in our world today, and that people are still coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ.
Father, we thank you. And we praise you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.